You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com. Very excited. Uh, And Texas Longhorn fans should be excited uh, to hear from our next guest. He is the high school coach uh, at Edgewater High School in Orlando, Florida. That is the high school of the top running back in the nation in the 2023 recruiting class, Cedric Baxter Jr., also known as CJ. Uh, And of course, his head coach is Cameron Duke. Coach, how are you doing? I'm good, Chip. I'm excited to be on here and uh, appreciate you guys getting me on. Looking forward to what the future holds for Longhorn Nation. Well, it it sounds like um, there's a lot to be excited about and no one got a better a chance to see CJ up close uh, rushing for 3,759 yards, 7.6 a carry, 42 touchdowns um, than you did. And so what, uh, when, I'll, I'll start with this. When did you know that uh, CJ Baxter was had a little something to him? We're allowed to have our incoming freshmen work out with us in the summer that will be coming to our school. And uh, when he walked in the weight room um, in June of his end of his eighth grade year, going into ninth grade year, um, he looked different than every other ninth grader that was coming in. Um, and then watching him work out, you know, he was a quiet kid. He didn't, you know, he, he just kind of came in and got with his designated group and just started working and watching him work and lift and the conditioning stuff that we're allowed to do here in the state of Florida in the summertime. It was pretty impressive as a freshman. And um, about midway through July, heading into fall camp, about a couple weeks till fall camp, we take our varsity team to a a FCA Fellowship of Christian Athlete team football camp um, that is hosted every year here in Central Florida with us and about uh, 11 other teams. So there's 12 teams there, really talented football teams from across the state. And it's a padded camp, and uh, we have our varsity team set. But I always leave about three or four spots available for either kids that you know are new or, or somebody we think that might be able to contribute on the varsity. So we bring CJ to camp with us. Didn't know quite what he was going to be. Was he going to be a tailback? Is he going to be possibly a defensive back? I mean, he's got the height of a wide receiver. Uh, but we knew we wanted to bring him to camp. Well, we put him back at tailback and against varsity competition going into his ninth grade year, he broke off a few runs that I'll never forget. And I looked at my staff and said, yep, uh, this one's going to be special. 
um, how he could accelerate and put his foot in the ground. Of course, you could see how big he was going to get. He was already a big kid, but not as, uh, of course, not as big as he was uh, at the end. Of, by the time he left us, uh, but he was physically ready to play varsity, and he had some runs that made you say, "Wow!" Uh, going into his freshman year, so he was a four-year player for us on the varsity. One of the I've been at Edgewater now six years. I've just finished up my sixth season. And uh, we've had some good teams and some really good success. And we've only had three players ever play up for us as a freshman on the varsity. And he was one of the three. Yeah, for those folks in Texas who don't know about Edgewater High School, tell them, you know, about the, the class they're in and, and the success that uh, you've had there. Uh, we got here in uh, 2017, January. So just about, you know, we're going on year seven now, and uh, they had fallen on some tough times. But if you look at the history, they had been successful in the late two th or early 2000s, um, and I knew all about it. And then when the good Lord led myself and our staff to Edgewater, we were able to, to have some pretty early success, winning nine games our first year. Then our second year, we went 12-2 and two and lost in the final four. And then our third and fourth year, we played in the state championship game against St. Thomas Aquinas and played them really well but lost both those games. Uh, in the state championship game to a South Florida uh, private school power. Um, and then in, in 2021, 10 and 2 in this past year, 12 and 1, and, and, and made a third round uh, run. So we've had some success and been fortunate to have great players like CJ and a great staff, um, and, and been fortunate to be uh, a nationally ranked team and, and, and played some really, really good competition here in the state. We were, we've previously been in what they call Class 7A. They recently just changed it. We're now what they call 3 Metro, but According to Max Preps, it's one of the hardest classifications in the country to play in. Yeah, I mean, um, and the state championship games you referenced, was that CJ's freshman and sophomore years? Correct. His freshman and sophomore years, he played us in the state championship. He played the state title games. And in, in the sophomore year, he had an extremely talented game at Doak Campbell uh, in Tallahassee, Florida, at the home of Florida State Seminoles. He, he played really well, scored a couple touchdowns. And, um that was the start of him really kind of blowing up on the national scene. Yeah. At that point, is that when the recruiting um, really took off for, for CJ? Yeah, I think that, that game and, and a few other games, um, his sophomore year, you saw a combination of size and speed that was elite. Um, he was just, when people came in and met him early on, he got a lot of attention early, was committed to Florida state actually, after his freshman year, then opened his recruitment back up just because he hadn't been a lot of places. We just kept coming out of COVID. And he was able to actually now get back to campuses and so forth. So, uh, yeah, after that, his sophomore year, um, after the state title game, um, some things took place in that spring going into his junior year on the recruitment level and then his junior year. Uh, I mean, he exploded. Yeah, and he, he grew up in a – he grew up a fan of Florida State. He grew up a fan of – of Dalvin Cook, that's part of the reason he wears number four, or, or he did at uh, at Edgewater, right? Yep, uh, family grew up a Florida State fan. He's a South Florida uh, kid and family originally. So Dalvin Cook, of course, is from the Miami area. So watching him in Tallahassee and family being a fan, he got a chance to see Dalvin and a few other good running backs come through Tallahassee um, early on in his being a kid and being a fan. And coach, for those again who aren't, you know, watching Edgewater, what kind of offense um, were you operating? What, how did CJ fit into that offense? 
we're a spread, no huddle, up tempo offense, but we're going to primarily, I mean, we're going to, you're going to have to stop the run to beat us. We're going to be a gap scheme team. We're going to run power. We're going to run counter. We're going to run buck sweep. Uh, we'll run inside zone. And then, you know, we like to do some different stuff in the RPO game. We try to play with tempo and try to be physical at the point of attack and, and having CJ as our primary back was perfect uh, fit for us. But, uh, you know, when you go back and look at his stuff, you'll see a lot of times he's playing with an H back in front of us, but also can be a really good one back player as well. Um, you know, and I think the most special thing about CJ is how talented he is out of the backfield in his hands. Yeah. And that's, um, you know, go ahead and elaborate on that a little bit more in just in terms of what, um, you know, you saw him, uh, do the best and how did he impact his teammates? You know, I think the thing that he impacted his teammates is he holds everyone around him to a very high standard. He keeps guys around him accountable. Um, he's a really selfless guy. He's not going to worry about his stat line at the end of the game. He really cares about winning. You know, in today's climate and culture of football, um, that's big. You know, and, uh, you know, our, our, our main motto, our first motto and our core values is selflessness. And CJ is that. He cares about others before he does himself. Before he does himself. And that's, that's you know, prevalent in the weight room, in the practice, on the practice field, in the classroom. He's off the charts academically, you know, and that led, I mean, he was the sole leader of our team the last two years, there's no doubt. We had a lot of other good leaders too, but his leadership is the best I've ever seen in 19 years of coaching high school ball. And, uh, you know, he makes those around him so much better, you know, and I've always said a good player is good, but a great player makes those around him elite. And he does that. Does he do that by leading by example uh, is he vocal? How would you describe his leadership? It's a combo. You know, he's definitely leads by example. He's early to things. He's, he's always on time. He's accountable. Um, but see, he also knows how to challenge players when it's time to challenge. He also knows how to go behind, you know, kind of behind a, you know, if a kid's getting coached up pretty hard, he goes and puts his arm around him and encourage him. He knows when to occur, encourage. He knows when to challenge. Um, that's really a testament to that's a gift. I think that's a God-given gift. That's also, also something that's been taught to him by his family. His mom and dad are great people. So he knows when to challenge and to get on somebody, but also when to love them and, and encourage them and build them up. Um, he can kind of see what I can call feel the room, right? He can kind of feel the how a, what a player needs in that moment. Uh, but you can't do that if you're also not leading by example. And he does that consistently just with how um, accountable he is, how hard he works, and, of course, the production that he's been able to have when um you know everyone wants to know if if a player is going to be able to shine when the lights are the brightest on the biggest stage um you mentioned him scoring a couple touchdowns in the in the state championship game as a young player um but uh you mentioned to me before a game that he had against jones high school and tell the folks um, about that game because I think it was a four overtime game. His junior year, we played Jones, and they have been a na nationally ranked team like us, and they're really right down the road. They've been a top 100 max preps team consistently on the last few years and, and do a great job. When we played them um, week three of his junior year, 2021, and he ended up having 40 carries. And uh, we didn't even know that until the end of the game for like 250 or 260 yards. And I think three or four touchdowns. And then we won it in four overtimes. And 
it was wild. But his his demeanor was as the game wore on. He wanted to be the guy that put the team on his back to go and finish off the game to go find a way to win the game. Uh, that's kind of you know when it's when it's time to to lights are the brightest. He wants to be the guy that's going to go and and lead his team to victory. You know, and if he does it too, he's going to be the guy that's going to do everything he can to make sure he does it, and then never point the blame at anybody else. Because he hasn't been, you know, at Edgewater, we played some really good uh, teams over the last four years that he's been a part of. You know, we haven't won all those games. And so when we've had a difficult loss, um, how he's handled those and how he's led after those games, he's an even more a testament to his character and to his leadership. Because it's really easy to lead when you're consistently successful. It's what you do when you have a, you know, an adversity, when you have a, a speed bump or some adversity that strikes you. He's the best I've ever seen when adversity strikes and how he responds and how not only he responds for himself, but to his teammates. And that four-overtime game, this is a funny story I didn't get a chance to tell you, that was coming off a week two loss. We lost to Venice High School. They ended up winning the state championship game or state championship 2021 in the highest classification. We went down there and played. And I actually, as the head coach, wasn't able to be there because my daughter was born on Friday night. Of all the nights that she was born, we have a 16-month-old uh, daughter. She was born week two of his junior year on a Friday night, and um, I, I could not be there. I was with my wife during during that time, and I remember CJ texting me before and after the game, kind of checking in. But we lost that game, and we came back, and I and I met with all my play. I met with my players individually, kind of. You know, he came and saw me, and there was things that he told me that he didn't like that was that was happening with our team, um, that he wanted to make sure we got corrected from a character and leadership standpoint. That following week is when he led us to a, a win against a nationally ranked opponent in a four-overtime game where he put the team on his shoulders. And that's who he is, and that's who he's been with us for, for four years, and hopefully what he's going to be with you guys. Wow. Wow. That's impressive stuff. It's hard to find kids that talented who are that humble and hungry and thinking of, of others. Um you know, especially in this day and age of social media and now NIL. Uh, in talking to his dad, he said he didn't want CJ making a decision based on NIL. He wanted him to go where he was comfortable. Um, and he just sounds like a a kid who gets it, which is, I, I mean, obviously just from the way you're talking, you know, a bit of a coach's dream. Yeah, and that, that says everything you know about his uh, his dad and his mom and his family. Um, they weren't gonna just—he wasn't gonna go just to, to for nil money, you know. And he wanted any, and, and they were involved in the recruiting process, but they were gonna let their son make the decision. And they're the best. They're the best. They're great. They're great family. They're friends of our our family, and and, and just been awesome. And, and they've raised a really quality young man. And they have other children too that they've done a great job raising. So, you know, when we got him. He had already had great attributes that had been instilled in him, and, and and I think you know hopefully our program helped him continue to grow and develop as a man, not just a football player. And then now it's now it's uh now it's y'all's turn. Well, and now I mean I guess his mom Latoya makes some uh, some great food too because I think he had the offensive line over to his house a few times. Probably too too many times for her as much as food as those guys eat. But yeah, he always again he always gave credit to his offensive line and those around him. And one of the best ways you can give credit to high school offensive linemen is to feed them. And, and yeah, his mama can cook, so uh, they were very appreciative. I know that. 
I love it. Okay, we'll take a quick break with uh, Edgewater High School head coach Cameron Duke, uh, the head coach of Cedric Baxter Jr. C.J. Baxter, the top running back in the nation in the 2023 recruiting class. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Coach Duke, um, you know, when you look at the the recruiting process, um, you know, you and I talked a little bit beforehand and you said to shard choice immediately um, when I talked about uh, CJ's affinity for Texas. Can you elaborate on on that? Coach Choice said it's just an unbelievable job recruiting him. I think was upfront and honest and built a great relationship with him. Built a great relationship with him when he was at Georgia Tech. CJ early on, you know, when I could, you know, would ask him and, and kind of get his feeling on where what what schools early on stood out. Georgia Tech was always in the picture. That's what coach that's where Coach Choice was at the time. Um, as an assistant coach, and that was because of their relationship they had built that carried over to when he uh, got on staff with the Longhorns. And, um, you know, I, the guy, he, he, I can't tell you how many times he's been to Edgewater and, and out to practice and to our games and so forth. But, you know, getting to know him, I can see why. He's a great man. He's very uh, committed in his faith. He wants to develop the whole player, mind, body, and spirit. Um, he's, done, he's had a great track record with all the backs and, of course, the backs that are uh, with Bijan and the guys that Texas had under his leadership this past year. I think it was uh, – uh, that was the difference maker of all the recruitment was just the relationship we had with Coach Choice, and um, I can see why. Because you had the helicopters landing at Edgewater High School, right? We did. We did. We had some helicopters land and some – you know, the, the who's who of college football showed up. They weren't there to see me. I promise you that. So uh, it was it was great, and, and and that was good for the whole program. But you know, the difference was the the consistency and the relationship over time that he built with Coach Choice. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I mean, Nick Saban, Dabo, Swin, Sweeney, uh, Kirby Smart. I think we're all uh, spending some quality time at at Edgewater High School. You probably have all their all the coaches' uh, cell phone numbers in your in your phone. Um, what uh, was that? The craziest recruitment you've been a part of? You know, yeah, we had some really big time players that came out, but the uh, the COVID year, so that was that. But of course, the coaches couldn't be on campus, and we've had a lot of other players that have gone off to some some really big time Division One programs. But I think CJ for sure, um, from start to finish, was, and then. You know, because he started, he was a he was a national recruit early on. Then we hit COVID. Then we came out. 
um, of COVID and, and coaches were able to get back on the road. And, you know, his junior year um, was such – I mean, all of his years were really good. His junior year, though, was he was fully healthy and just was lights out. And so it opened back up in January, and it was pretty nonstop for, for you know, his entire time until he committed um, with the recruitment. So, But, you know, so many programs did a great job, and, and, and I think he had a lot of respect for all the programs that recruited him. And then – you know, he made his decision in the summer, uh, this past summer. And one thing I appreciate about CJ, he's a very loyal young man. You know, he stayed at Edgewater all four years. I promise you there were a ton of high schools that I'm not going to name that, that, that tried to lure them to their school. Um, he said, no, I'm, I'm an Edgewater Eagle and stayed there all four years. His loyalty is, is, is something that is a trait that is phenomenal, especially in today's climate and culture and, and football. And then, uh, you know, when he committed – uh, this summer to Texas, um, that was he stayed true to all the way until he signed in December, and now he's on campus with you guys. Yeah, I think he mentioned um, that he's in a group text with Arch Manning and other members of that uh, Texas 2023 recruiting class, and that they're they were already, you know, kind of pushing each other to, you know, be the best that they could be heading into their early enrollment there in January. Um, did he mention anything about, you know, the other guys in the class? It's obviously a top three recruiting class. I think he was excited, just the different, you know, of course, Manning and, and all the different great players that are coming from, from all over that he thinks, you know, he thinks is a great class. And they built early relationship in the summer and then stay true. And, you know, he's there now working hard. I know that we, we texted the other day and, and, um, I think he had just gotten done with the early morning workout and I could tell he was. He was pretty white, but in a good way. He likes he likes the work. He likes the grind of it. Um, you know, he likes all the aspects of really being a high-level football player, not just the glitz and glamour of being a recruit. So I know he's happy to be there and, and, and get in the work. But, yeah, it was, it was a – I know they built a strong relationship in the recruiting process uh, throughout, throughout the summer into the fall. The only injuries he had at, at Edgewater were hamstring, right? Yeah, and, you know, they, he's such a twitchy, big athlete. And so um, he did a really good job in preventative care and was really good in the weight room. And, um, but, you know, he had had a couple of tweaks of the hamstring, but nothing major, but just enough to where, you know, he's he's a pretty high-level elite athlete, and those hamstrings sometimes are uh, things that, you know, you got to continually to watch and monitor. And um, I know he's excited in, in, in the getting with the trainers and medical staff there and all the support that he'll have of really developing um, not just the strength in the hamstrings, but being, being preventative and hopefully staying healthy while he's there. But, you know, he did a, he, he was great in the off season. He was really strong in the weight room. Um, but, yeah, he did have a couple things with the hamstrings being tweaked. But he – I think I saw he had five fumbles. He only lost two in his four years at Edgewater. So pretty, pretty sure, uh, with the ball in his hands. Yeah. You know, I don't even know the numbers, but you know, we know that winning, you know, we know winning football is about, it's about turnover ratio and winning it, you know, and not, and not giving them up on offense and finding a way to get them on defense. And, you know, he protected the football extremely well, especially for the, the, the workload that he got. And he took great pride in that, you know, and if he ever did, have, you know, the, the times that, you know, he did put it on the ground, he's one of those guys that came off and was able to, he, he was he was more upset with himself than I I or any coach could be. And he was going to go correct it and get it right. Um, that's one thing you know when a special player, you don't have to just 
chew them out and, and, and get on them. They, they take it more personally themselves than, than any coach getting on to them. But, but, you know, he got better and better throughout his entire time, really protecting the football. And that's what, that's, that, that's how you win and lose games. Well, and you said that uh, he wasn't, you know, your offense didn't use him in the passing game a ton, but you said he might've had the best hands on the team. Yeah. You know, there were some things that we did to get him the ball in space, but looking back, I probably should have done it more. Uh, there's no doubt. Phenomenal hands, great route runner, can really sink his hips and get him out of the breaks. You know, I, I think I told you um, going into his junior year um, in the spring, we're able to have 20 practices in the spring. So his soft, his second semester of his sophomore year in the spring in May, I worked him primarily at receiver so he could learn all of our entire offense from the different positions, inside and outside receiver. Um, so if I ever wanted to put him there, we could. And he could get a big picture of the offense, which he did. So he worked all spring there and worked running routes. And I mean, that's when, I mean, his hands are exceptional. Um, and then, you know, he had some big time stuff for us in the past game, made some big critical third down catches. Uh, but his, his work out of the backfield or being able to line up kind of all over the places, he definitely can do it because he's got great hands. He takes the ball out of his air, takes the ball out of the air and is, is a really, really good route runner. I mean, he can get in and out of the breaks like a receiver. What, um, when did you see him face the most adversity? He about, uh, a great question. Um, you know, he battled a little bit of stuff his sophomore year from a, from a hamstring deal that he was able to fight back and get healthy and, and then have a really big game in a semifinal game and then get us to a state title game. Um, you know, his senior year, he had a little bit. He 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 got nicked up, and he fought like crazy to come back and play in the playoffs, which he did. That's you know, he, listen. He was already coming to Texas, uh, but he wanted to play for his teammates. He wanted to play for his school. He could have checked out easily, you know, and he didn't. And that 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 says everything you know about him. He fought like crazy to get healthy, and he did his last our last few games in the playoffs. Um, his senior year. Um, well, now you're starting to see sometimes guys opt out or move, you know, if they get nicked up at all their senior year and they're already committed to places, they might not play. That's not him at all. Um, you know, he's had some stuff with, with um, his grandmother, you know, battling stuff. And we, he's been always honest with me and, and, and our teammates about lifting up family members in prayer when, when there's been stuff that's going on. And um, one thing I've always appreciated about CJ is open with what's going on and, and, and with us as a staff and his teammates. He's, always ask for prayer, for guidance. And so he definitely battled adversity like any young person uh, at different times. Uh, but he does it, and, and I think he uh, he thrives in it for being, for being a, a, you know, I still look at him as a high school kid. He really a, should be a high school senior second semester, but now he's in college. But he battles adversity as, any, as good as any young person I've ever coached. Well, you mentioned his grade point average. I know his dad said, you make a C, you're not playing. Um and he never made a C. I think he had a 3.8 grade average when he left Edgewater. That's that's incredible. Off the charts and was loved by his teachers. And, and, and uh, you know, when, in COVID, when uh, a lot of kids went virtual, you know, his grades improved. Um, again, you know, was raised by a great, great family. And then, you know, he, he worked his butt off. I mean, he had the, he had the Ivy Leagues wanting him, you know. Um, he, he cares about being a great student. Uh, and I, that's one thing I – 
appreciate about him. He's going to do something. He's going to excel at it. So he, as a student, he's going to he's going to go max it out. As a football player, same way. And that was such a good example for all of our players and student athletes at Edgewater, um, and it was inspiring to see that somebody that he wasn't worried about academic eligibility. He wanted he wanted to, he was worried about academic excellence, and he demonstrated that. Of course, ending his high school career, graduating early with you know that GPA. That was his. Does he go by C four? Is that his nickname or? Goes by C four. Um, I've always just called him CJ. Um, but you know, and his dad Cedric Baxter Senior. Uh, but you know, he he definitely goes by C four by a lot of people. He'll probably always be CJ to me. Yeah, he's gonna have to wait. I, I Jordan Whittington has number four. He's gonna have to, but he's a senior, so he'll get it eventually. I think he's gonna wear number eight. Um, this uh, freshman year, but um, when you when you look at you know everyone wants to compare. He's a taller guy. I mean, you said he might even be close. He might even be six two. Yeah, I I haven't measured him all the way, but I I would not be surprised if he's fully six two. And you know when you have those taller running backs, he's kind of an upright guy like Eric Dickerson, Adrian Peterson. I don't want to get carried away here. Those guys are our legends, but, um, you know, do you have a, a guy that he reminds you of? You know, he's, you know, my, some of the old heads on my staff said Herschel Walker, you know, um, of course, you know, in the state of Florida, people have said Dalvin Cook, but Dalvin Cook's, I don't think that's tall. I've never had one like him. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, the thing that's impressive is how big he is and powerful, but you know, he can make you miss. And then he's got the top end. You know, when you watch it and he's breaking these long runs, this is against some of the best competition in the state of Florida where speed dominates. Um, so for being that big, his turnover is so impressive. His turnover with his and his running and his run in his gait, especially when he breaks it, is something I've never seen. And then I think what makes him, you know, impressive is that he can put his foot in the ground and change direction at full speed. That's usually something that's more geared towards the smaller, shorter, shiftier backs. He does it at 6'2", you know, 215, 218 pounds in high school. That was something I've never seen. Well, Coach, is there anything else that you think is important for folks to know about C.J. Baxter? Because um, we, we sure do appreciate your time. You know, I just – he's a humble kid, and he wants, he wants others to do well. He cares about winning, you know. He doesn't just care about his stat line. He wants to go be – he comes from a winning program and has won a lot of football games, and that meant a lot to him, and that meant more to him than any other stat that he would – you know, that he could acquire while he was with us. That's that's rare when it's – we so, so many times football has become a, about me or self. He's not that. Um, he's a genuine dude. He, he cares about others well. He's got a great family. He's got an older sister that's great. He's got two younger brothers that are great and, and, and a mom and dad that are special. And he's just somebody that – you know, I think Texas has got an exceptional football player. Everybody, you know, a lot of people rated him the number one back, I think, for good reason in the country. Um, this is such a huge statement, but I'm telling you, he's a better person than he is a football player. And, uh, you know, we're going to miss that because I could tell my team, hey, I need you to do what he does. And I don't mean on the field. I meant off the field, in the weight room, in the classroom, how he treated uh, others, how he treated pe- his teachers, how he treated family members. That's what I, you know, that's what – um, I think Texas is getting an exceptional player and even a better young man. And 
you know, I can't wait to watch him, uh, see what he does for you guys here moving forward. And, and I know we're all excited to, to see what he does for the Longhorns. Well, it's, uh, it's an exciting time. And um, I'm sure every Texas fan listening to this, uh, this podcast interview is, is walking away feeling like they have uh, a better sense of who CJ Baxter is and coach um, continued success to you. And thanks so much for taking some time and, and enlightening us on, uh, on CJ Baxter. Hey, I appreciate it, Chip, and having me on. And, you know, we got a, you guys now got a bunch of uh, Texas fans here in the state of Florida. So what do they say? Y'all play hook them. That's right. That's right. Well, for Cameron Duke, I am Chip Brown. Uh, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Flagship Podcast. Until next time, we'll see you over at Horns247.com. Stay safe and keep the faith. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.